Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cartridge and Quarters, back from the dead, aka back from my COVID of the dead. That's that should be a new video game that the yeah. House of the Dead makers. But like that was something they should have jumped on. Now that I think about it, no, no game about you know some crazy virus that's happened. Like House of the Dead would could have really used a new game. COVID of the dead, guys. There's there's free money for you right there. Although I think it might be a little bit late for that now. And Plague Inc. also took a bunch of that too. So. I'm also surprised Walking Dead doesn't have that as yet another spinoff that's in the works. <laughs> Walking well, Dead of the COVID dead or something. <laughs> sometimes you just got to leave money on the table because you don't like doing it when it's not your idea. But uh, alas, it is what sure. it is. Again, welcome to the show. My name is Adam, a.k.a. CS Radical, joined by Jen and Chris. Apologies for being off the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's hard to want to do anything when you can't fucking breathe or talk with the <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, it's hard to do a talking podcast when you can't talk. Right? Right? It's <laughs> I, I a little hear. difficult. Now, thankfully, a couple days ago, obviously, Chris, you filled in helping out get the uh, the Pixel Play podcast back on the road. So I appreciate that. Although I did manage to at least get a couple of quips in there as as the producer <laughs> of that show. It, it felt like almost like one of those uh, serious satellite radio shows where the camera cuts to the producer in the back who just either throws up like a factoid or an extra joke in there. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Look at that. You're slowly becoming a producer. Exactly what you've always wanted in life. Yes, totally. That's what I... Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we have a show for you guys. And by show, I mean no topics. What a surprise. Retro gaming news? Ah, thing of the past. <laughs> I guess that's a bit of a pun. Um, but a pun. But uh, I did have an interesting topic to bounce off of to start with here. So during the course of this pandemic... I tried to get into a bunch of stuff when, you know, I could get out of bed, I should say. Uh, there, there were a few games that I tried to play, and some of them were new, some of them were older. And specifically, the two I tried, I tried to play were Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy IX. And both elicited a similar result. I got into it a little bit, and then for whatever reason, I was just like, eh, I'm good. I think I'm done. So, like... Chrono, Tri Chrono Trigger, I made it to just when you came back from uh, rescuing La Len. What? Len? No. Mar Marl. There we yeah, go. Marl. Yeah. Uh, so I got f I finished with that. And then with nine, I got to, um, I think it's Womond. Whatever place oh, that you, whatever uh, place that you what go to via that? airship after you've uh, yeah. escaped from the, the evil black mages in the early part of yeah. the game. The evil black mages in the farm village. Yeah, it, was it the black waltz? I think they were called. The Black Waltz, that's what it was. That's the, like, flying crazy one. There's, like, Black Waltz 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Yes. Ah, memories. And don't get me wrong, I didn't hate either game, because obviously I don't, because those are both games that I enjoyed growing up. But for whatever reason, it seems like, in some cases, there are games that you go back and play nostalgically, and it doesn't actually work out. And I, and I thought this would be an interesting thing to bounce off of. So... My immediate thought is that it really is dependent on the game itself. My theory is that generally, if a game has, if its major selling point is a story, I think it's a lot harder for that game to be playable multiple times compared to, say, like a Super Mario 3 or a Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I think there are some games where it's easier to get into those again because it's just play, go mess with a few levels and whatever, and you get and you get your thing in it. Whereas with a game like, say, a Final Fantasy IX, it's a long game with a lot of intrinsic storytelling. 
and a lot of grinding. And it might just be in some cases that maybe there are games out there that are, unless you really have like a deep attachment to, it might not be as simple to be able to play over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good, a really good theory, really good thought. And I think that actually you're for most people, you're right on the nose with that. I'd have to admit, because if you think about certain games, like, sure, maybe like me, Chrono Trigger, favorite game pretty much of all time, com- like only one out there is Final Fantasy four that might compete. Um, I have played that game probably every five years for my whole life. And it's like every time it gets released on something like I had on Super Nintendo, it got released on PS1 and then they re-released it digitally on like the PS3 and then they re-released it on Steam and and mobile on the DS. And I bought every version except mobile. I actually never played it on mobile, but I bought it every version and I played through it again and even usually got all the endings, especially on like Steam and stuff because they added achievements. Um, That's a game because of the game itself, I could play over and over and over and over and over. But other story-driven games where I've already known the story, like maybe Metal Gear Solid 1, like, yes, there is some stealth gameplay and stuff in there, but the reason I'd want to go back is the story. And I already know it, and I probably would struggle real hard with playing that game because it doesn't have that same mystery that it did the very first time that I would have ever played it. So I can definitely see exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, because it's not for lack of interest. Like, I played through the first little bit of 9, and I was like, man, I remember how much I liked this game. But then it just got to that point where it's like, "Ah, but do I really want to do, like, another 20-ish hours of this all over again? It's like, do I, though? I I think because, again, 9 isn't a game that I'm very fond of compared to, say, like, a 4, a 6. Actually, ironically enough, like, 10's one of my favorite games. I tried to recently play the 10, 10, 2 remaster, and... I still didn't get very far in it. I think I got as far as I want to say Luca, and then I gave up again. And I think it I think it might just have to do with specifically a lot of JRPGs because of the length. I think yes. if if you pulled me into, say, like I said, Super Mario, uh, you pulled me into a Sonic game, like it's easy to go into those because it's just a couple of levels, you know. And even then, like, even if you put it down, like if I play Sonic Spinball and play only three stages. I'm not going to feel that bad because whatever, I played a couple of stages of a game I like and I don't always beat this game every time I try it. Whereas with a JRPG specifically, but I mean even longer length games, like if you want to go and play like say Morrowind or if you want to go play uh, Diablo 2 or things of that nature, I think that there is still a part of it because of the length and because that a lot of it, there is a story that kind of drives you forward. And especially with games that have a lot of repeat repeating gameplay obviously with jrpgs it's just attack magic defend go through the steps diablo usually the similar kind of thing bash things cast spells collect loot repeat process it might be that it might be a big part of it just that sometimes like again without the like this is my favorite game of all time and i can play this game a thousand times and i don't care there are just those kind of games that seem like they don't they don't hold the same um replayability that say others would yeah i actually i have a very recent um example that fits right in with what you were talking about um and i did end up actually continuing this game and finishing it but it took me like eight months of going back every like little bit 
Uh, and that was the um, original Grandia game. Uh, Grandia HD was released where it's same game. They didn't do much to it. They basically put a filter on it so it doesn't look so blocky now on like the more higher resolution screens. They made it widescreen. Um, I have it on Steam, but it ended up buying the HD collection on Switch like a year ago because on Steam, I was definitely struggling with even starting the game because like to sit at my computer in a desk and play a JRPG was tough. But then I was like, but Switch, it's on the go. I can play like an hour, put it down. You know, it'll be a little bit easier to get through it. And thank God I did do that because that's the only reason I got over the initial, I want to say like eight hours. And it's not that it was a bad game at all. The, the game is well done, well written, looks beautiful for like pixel graphics and everything. Obviously it's a PS1 JRPG, so it has that look for sure. Um, it took me, I think, 35 hours to fully play and beat it, but the first seven hours I was struggling. Like I would play for 45 minutes and I would put it down. I'd put it away and then I wouldn't touch it for like three weeks. And it, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like it was just, I kept looking at it. I was like, this is fun, but I have like 30 hours to go. And I actually pulled up a walkthrough on my phone because I wanted to always check with when I would make some like progress i want to see how much i had left not because i wasn't enjoying myself but it was just something about the length and very repetitive nature like you're saying um that i i i, I don't know like it just wasn't as easy however then i hit about the 10 hour mark and all of a sudden it was like i went over the edge of a waterfall and i guess the story got just that like you know jrpg it starts off where you're you know, like gathering three eggs for your neighbors. And I guess I hit that 10 hour mark and it was like, uh oh, we're getting closer to having to battle God. You know, there's always the JRPG moment, right? Um, but it started to get that much more interesting with characters and, and plot developments that I was like, oh, now I actually want to know what happens next. And that was the only thing that got me through till it got to the last 10 hours. And I actually played through that last 10 hours in a weekend. So it went from the first 10 hours taking me six months to get through the next 10 hours taking me probably a month, and then the last 10 hours being in a weekend. Like, it was this huge change as I went through it, and it was purely based on the story development and the fact I'd never played it before, so when the plot points were hitting hard, they weren't, like, they were all new to me. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it was something that was new to you. I wonder... Because I've said before on the show, I really want to go and play Breath of Fire 3 and 4 because I've never gotten to. Yes. Um, there are other games that fall into that. Skies of Arcadia would else fall into that. Grandia, like you just mentioned, would fall into that. Um, I wonder if it's not necessarily the story, is it just the archaicism that is these older games? Is it the fact that because the graphics are older and some of them don't age as well, is it the fact that the systems are outdated or the controls are just like not as smooth as we expect them to be now there are so many things about playing older games especially if you haven't before that can make things a little bit difficult i'm also a big audiophile so like i love iron maiden for example i'm wearing the goddamn t-shirt sometimes it's hard to listen to the early albums of them because they don't sound nearly as polished and as clear as say yes. the newer ones do I know a lot of people will say that's taboo because the better catalog generally for Maiden is considered to be the early days. But I also really like a good, clear record. There's something about listening to Brave New World or, um, oh my God, uh, A Matter of Life and Death or The Final Frontier, where they feel 
so much more clear and polished and well orchestrated. Like there's a difference between that and then going all the way back to peace of mind or going back to number of the beast. And the same I imagine falls into games. Like there's something about starting, say, a person like great example. I started at Persona 3, played 3 and 4, and then for the first time I tried playing the original Persona when it was reported to PSP, and I couldn't do it because the game was obviously much older, the systems were not the same, the graphics were different, there's no voice acting. So I think there's also something to be said that it isn't maybe necessarily just the length, or maybe it's that, you know, you know the story already. For games that you haven't even played before, it may also just be as simple as, it's old, and you're used to playing games that, well, aren't. Yes. I, I definitely, when you mentioned controls, that totally just shot off in my head. The fact that I played through and beat Banjo-Kazooie a couple months ago. For the first time. I'd never played Banjo-Kazooie, never owned it on N64. Um, obviously, I knew all about it. Nothing about that game was a surprise to me. I basically knew everything from, I'm assuming, Nintendo Power and friends who had it. But it's on Game Pass and Rare is owned by Xbox and they ported it to the Xbox 360, I think. Um, and it has achievements and stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going, I'm on a retro podcast and I love retro games. I should probably play this very important like N64 game. And I finished it. I got 100% of the achievements. I think it only took me like 15 hours and I was struggling with that one too. I forced myself just to finish it because I was interested in seeing the levels and it's collect-a-thon. So like getting a hundred puzzle pieces here and there and all that kind of crap, like that interested me. But when you mentioned the controls, that's where I was hit really, really hard. Yeah. With the fact that like there's lack of camera well, control generally, the yeah. the isometric nature isn't just like quite on, on point as much like because the 3D plane is not the same to what we expect them today. Like I imagine oh. the difference between playing like the original Ratchet and Clank versus the redo that they did a few years back would be such a jarring difference if you played them next to each other. Yeah, I don't think I could go back and play any of the... I never played any of the original Ratchet & Clanks. I've, again, another game I missed out on, just never bought it. Saw a lot about it, knew all about it. I could probably describe the entire story beginning to end. Um, but I did start the new ones. I've played um, the 2016 remake, or I think it was 2016, um, of the first game, or reboot of the first game, whatever it is. And I also played uh, Rift Apart. And I can sit down and play those games in a weekend and never get bored. Like, I love the way those games feel. But if I were to go back and try and play like a PS2 Ratchet and Clank, I'm going to feel the difference. I'm going to feel what's missing. The fluidity. The fact that when you walk into an area populated by people, there's three people there. Like, it's a town, but there's three people living in that town versus the new games where it's like fully populated because of obviously how far technology has gone. So yeah, I can definitely attest to that too. Yeah. And again, a lot of it also will come down to how much does that game mean to you? If you've already played it before, if you come to it completely fresh, it's going to be a lot different. Like, especially if you've played games in that series that are newer, like I, I can't imagine what it would be like for someone who has played the newer Tomb Raider games to go and play the first one for the first time. Yeah. Like how jarring a difference that would be. Or if you're playing, if you came from playing Deus Ex Mankind Divided and you go and play the original, or if you go and play, you know, uh, Bioshock Infinite and then go back and play like, I don't know, like a System Shock level game. You yeah. Know? I think there are just certain cases where if there's no massive nostalgic value, and it's not to say going back to, you know, my cases of Chrono Trigger and 
and um, uh, Final Fantasy IX that there wasn't any nostalgic value, but it wasn't strong enough to over, I guess, overwrite the notions that I have about, man, this game is old. Yeah. In a similar way that, like, I'm nervous about ever trying other games. Like, thankfully, finding out that the Chrono Cross remaster was an absolute dumpster fire, I never ended up playing it, which means I don't have to think about what would happen if I play this game for the first time in, like, 15 years. That is true. Yeah, because if, like, Final Fantasy X and stuff like that, even those, you were feeling like, uh, you know, you couldn't really get through it, Chrono Cross is going to be the same. Because I bought the Chrono Cross on my Switch because I was like, again, you know, I should play this for the podcast. I, I think I'm an hour and a half in, and I haven't touched it. It was right from when it first came out, I bought it. I played it for an hour and a half, and I haven't gone back. And it's not that I don't like the game. It's just, I don't know, there's newer stuff I could play instead. I think that's also the thing. Also, I will admit that it doesn't help that I'm currently in this weird state, and gamers get into these patches all the time, where you have this just... You don't really have anything that you're attaching to. You don't really want to play anything. You're just kind of... You you boot up a game, you play it for 30 minutes, and then you let it go because you're not really sure what you want to do with it. And I'm kind of in that state myself where, like... I'll boot up Returnal, play a couple of things, and then be like, all right, I'm good. Then I'll boot up Golf with Friends, play a couple rounds there just to do something, and then that'll be it. And maybe I'll boot up a Final Fantasy IV Randomizer seed, and that'll take me an hour or so to do. And, you know, I I haven't attached anything. I tried to play Stray recently. I know this isn't retro, but I tried to play that recently. That didn't go well at all. I didn't get into that. Um, I've tried looking into, say, Demon's Souls, but... I also kind of want to do that specifically for streaming purposes. I still have Death Stranding sitting there, but there's not real a real interest for me to go and try that. So some of it might also just be that certain moment that you get into as a gamer where just nothing's grabbing you to go and play it and nothing is like tipping you over that waterfall. Like you said, the Grandia eventually did, even though it took forever to get to that point. Uh. And looking at like, you know, what's not really coming out this year because the next six months so far are still looking to be pretty dead. Um, it's, it's definitely a state that's sometimes very difficult to get out of, and it really takes something special to kind of break that. And then eventually things can start up again. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. There's, there's definitely gamer burnout that, that, I mean, we feel it with everything, right? Like I can't, I can't even lie. Like even with the Marvel movies, I, I have a bit of Marvel burnout when it comes to the movies, not the TV shows for some reason. But the movies themselves, I definitely have a lot less of an excitement. Like, uh, I know, like, I know this isn't retro gaming related, but it is kind of burnout related where, you know, we saw the most recent Thor movie in theaters. It's coming to Disney Plus, like in a couple weeks. I don't even plan on watching it again. The Doctor Strange movie came out again. I have no feeling to rewatch it. Like, there's just... The odd movie, yes, like Spider-Man No Way Home, like certain ones that I have a lot of nostalgic value for, I'd go back and watch again. But for the most part, like there's burnout all over the place, like with all kinds of things when there's so much. And as gamers, whether it's retro or new, there's so much now that it's not like it was when we were younger where you have Chrono Trigger and it's literally the only new game you have until your birthday or Christmas nine months from now. So you're going to play it. You're going to get your characters to level 99. You're going to see every ending because it's the only game you can play whether you like it or not. Where now, like even on my PlayStation, I don't even know what to play. I have three games I've started. I'm like an hour and a half into Ghost of Tsushima. I'm 
like three hours into um, Uncharted Lost Legacy and I'm, what else am I in? I'm in something else. And all of them, it's like, which one do I play? And then I end up playing none of them because it's like, well, I don't know. I don't even know which one I want to play. There's so many. Well, that brings up an interesting theory too, right? Because this this also can go hand in hand with the idea of, you know, as a retro gamer, what it sometimes can lead to. There also may just be a fact that there's too much out there. You know, especially now when there is, I mean, for, for me as an example, there is, I have a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox uh, Series X with now extra and Game Pass offering stuff. Obviously, I've got Steam, so I've got a library there. I've got my randomizer community that I do stuff with occasionally. And that's gaming alone. That's not even counting retro ideas that I have. That's not going back and like booting up an emulator and playing like old games and things or going through Steam if Steam has a couple of things like Final Fantasy IX and Chrono Trigger, for example, that I've gone through. Then on top of that, there are, I still haven't caught up with Ms. Marvel yet, so I haven't gotten to do that. Same with the last season of The Expanse. I still haven't gotten myself to watch that. Not to mention there's Alex Ryder on Amazon Prime. There's probably a bunch of other things that I'm missing, but those are the three off the top of my head. And then there's also all the anime that I could have been watching that I haven't done. I also don't, even though I keep up with the results, I haven't been watching AEW very much. I try to catch the pay-per-views at least when I can, but I'm not barely keeping up with wrestling. And then on top of that, I'm also been playing my guitar a lot more than I used to. So that's taking up time as well. And now that, you know, we're not in lockdown anymore, there's also the thing of actually being able to go out. I've been doing baseball, not counting COVID for the last couple of weeks, but I've had baseball. I've been going out and seeing, you know, friends or my girlfriend or you guys. There's all these other things going on. And I think a large part of it isn't necessarily even burnout so much as it's just overwhelming. So I yes. think there's so much when it comes to, you know, as much as I do like to say, I think it's great that there are so many options. There are moments where sometimes it, it is even so much that you don't really have like any idea what direction you want to go. Yep. Yeah. You feel overwhelmed because there's too many things to do and you end up doing none of them or you try them all, but you don't commit to any of them because you can't focus. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like none of like, I don't think either of us have ADHD, but I mean, with the amount of stuff on there, it's almost like having a pseudo version of it because you know, there are seven other things going on, um, you know, next to you that you're like, I could do that. Oh, but I could do that. You're just kind of staring at something like, I don't know what I want to do anymore. Oh, 100%. This is why I actually organize my gaming every month. Because I've got the PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X, a Switch, and Steam. But now Steam includes like normal PC or Steam Deck version of gaming. Because they're two very different things, but with the same library. I've actually got a list, like, basically of one of each console, what game I'm currently playing on there. And that way it's like, if I don't feel like playing that game on PlayStation, okay, I can go play that one on Xbox. And I kind of just limit it to those games. That way I'm not looking at my library, especially my Steam library, I'd pass out. Uh, like, it, by organizing it, it kind of keeps me focused. And there's always a little bit of retro in there and a little bit of brand new games. Like, I was playing Stray while I was also playing Grandia, like, brand new and old obviously um but yeah it's it's not easy like it it definitely but also if you don't feel like playing games you just don't play games if you don't feel like watching tv you don't you know watch tv you only really should do what you want to do and if we were in lockdown for so long and now all of a sudden you feel like going out every single night to see friends go out every single night and see friends if you feel like you know 
reading a book, if you feel like watching a TV show, if you feel like going outside and just going for a walk, taking your Steam Deck to the park. I've done that too a few times where I feel like being outside and playing a game and I take my Steam Deck to the park and I just sit under a tree on like a Sunday and, and just game there because it's actually very relaxing and it feels nice to be out in the world, but also just kind of casually playing a game that I'm not taking too seriously because again, playing it on the go. It's, it's, I definitely know exactly what you're feeling. And I've definitely felt that too. I remember uh, a period like maybe three, four years ago, no, five years ago, I think, where I didn't play games for, I think, nine months. I didn't turn on a single game. I didn't play anything, which is bonkers to think about where I'm playing on average six games a month now. So for nine months, I didn't play a single game. And it was nice. It was just, I didn't feel pressure to do it. If I didn't want to, I didn't want to. And then eventually I was like, I miss playing a game. And then I went in and all of a sudden I was playing a bunch again. Yeah. I think, I think there's such a myriad of factors to it. I think, I think it's the most notable for retro though, because it's a lot easier to justify not playing it because you're like, oh, yeah. ah, I played this before. Or you're like, ah, this game's like 20 years old. It's not that big a deal if, if I'm not too into it now. So it's a lot easier to just put it by the wayside because you're like, yeah, it's not the same. It's a lot harder, especially if you spent your hard-earned money on a new game and that yeah. game didn't work out. Thank God that Stray was an extra title, so that way it didn't feel like, man, I spent like 40, 50 bucks on this. Oh, this doesn't feel great. So it's it's definitely a different case for, for each scenario. I think with Retro, it's a lot easier to you know, not feel as bad about it because, well, especially with most of the games that most people go back and play now if they're retro, it's because they've played them before and they remember it growing up, right? So it's, it's easier to justify in your mind that, eh, I don't need to play this. Like, it's just, it's cool that I booted up. I played it for an hour, I remember. But I think with some games, it's different. And I think it also depends on how you're playing them. I think there's a difference between trying to play Final Fantasy IX alone, especially in a state of, not really sure what you want to do than playing Mario Kart 64 with a group of people locally. 100%. Yeah. Oh, very much so. That, that I don't think I've ever had burnout for playing games with friends. I can't, I can't think of a time I ever did. Have yeah. With that. the right group of people, you can make the same game. Like I still with a, with the group that I have collected through final fantasy four randomizer, we will play golf with friends usually once or twice a week. And it's still fun every single time. Granted, it's, it's more fun for me because I win almost every single game, but hey. Yeah, I hate playing that game with you. Actually, I take it back. I do have a game I hate playing with friends, and it's golf with friends, and you are the person I hate. <laughs> it's the one game I'm better than everybody at. Let me have this. Like, you're not, it's, it's unnatural. You shouldn't be able to do everything you're doing. Uh, which is, which but, is amazing because you think about, you know, you think I'm good. There's like people that, there's like a chunk of people that are so much better than me. Yeah, yeah, that is true. There's always somebody better. I need to get you in to play Golf It, though, because Golf It is much more difficult in the fact that, because for those who don't know either game, Golf With Your Friends is one where it's, you just pull back the mouse to the meter that you want and then let it go, and it and it fires. So you know exactly how much power you're putting into it. Golf It, you're doing the mouse pulling it back and then thrusting forward, and that's your power. And you can't oh. gauge what you're doing. So... I either have oh. games where I am really, really doing well and other games that I cannot make a fucking putt to save my life. <laughs> so that sounds that, like my nightmare. <laughs> that is a game that I think is great with friends because you all can suck at it no matter yeah. how good at, at it you are. 
Yeah, yeah, that one, that one I'll definitely say, yeah. And there's definitely more cases like that, too. I mean, with retro stuff, like, I can't imagine with a group of friends playing Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers, Perfect Dark multiplayer, um, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Like, I, I can't imagine scenarios with those. Or even playing, like, Goof Troop. Or playing, yeah. like, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, like the Super Nintendo version. Or uh, I think it's Pocky and Rocky. Yeah, like, yeah, playing all those games. I like it's when you have people with you and you're able to bounce off of each other, it's definitely going to make it easier. I think playing certain games alone, it, it takes like some games are special enough that it's very easy to stay with it. Like, I imagine when I because I still haven't yet because I haven't seen the price on Steam drop enough to make me do it. I will get Persona 4 Golden again and play through it one more time because I fucking love that game and I won't mind. Yeah. But it's different than say if I booted up breath of fire 2 on an emulator and tried to play that again because i know most of it and it's really just go walk around fight fight a boss grind a little bit more fight the next boss like it's 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 it really does depend on the game it's a lot easier when it's with people i think that's also why the the randomizer works so well for me it's because it's never the same and there's always people that i can always be in the room with while i'm playing it so at least something to shoot back and forth on and usually too with the with the flags that I generally run in that it's not overly hard so you can also kind of breeze through it have some fun with it and be done with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you had got that randomizer and you just discovered it alone and you were only doing it alone, you may not even still be doing it at this point because that community is really what drives you. I know it's there funny, are, there I, are games that I'd love to try like I know at some point I still haven't gotten around to looking into doing it but I want to try to play a Pokemon Red or Blue uh randomizer. That would be fun. I would watch that. I wouldn't do it. Me playing a randomizer gives me too much stress, but I love watching them. So I've watched obviously your FF4 one. If there was a Pokemon one, I'm in, especially Red I and Blue. I think I could pull you into a supermarket sweep flag of Final Fantasy 4 and you'd be okay with it because that game that seed is gar- almost guaranteed to give you power overwhelming so you can just bash your way through stuff. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, one last thing about the, the, the retro, you know, getting the burnout with the retro games and stuff like that. One thing I have noticed, and this is me personally, I know everybody's going to be different. I do have a couple games that I could play for the rest of my life once every couple years and have no problem. Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 1 through... Gosh, maybe even like 13, like all the way up to 12 for sure, maybe 13. Um, I could do it. The only thing that I've noticed is as I think back, it's only if it's released on a new console, though. For some reason, it being re-released and me having new achievements and new this and new that, new screenshots I can take, like the little bit of, I guess, community behind it really helps. Because if you were like, oh, Chris, go back and replay Chrono Trigger on your Steam account. I have zero desire to do that. I did that back when it released on Steam in like 2018 or 2019. I played through it. I did it all, got all the endings, every achievement, I was done. So if I go back, I almost have no extra reason to go back. Yes, I would play the game. I'd hear the music, the story, all the amazingness that I love. But there's not like new achievements popping. There's no new screenshots I'm going to take. I've already taken my screenshots, posted them to the community. People have liked and left their comments and everything because I actually love that. So I think that's what it really depends on. Like if they re-release Chrono Trigger again on like a PS5 specific edition and there's new trophies and I can take my screenshots and share them with friends, 
I will hop in there tomorrow if that happens and play it again. It's almost like a fresh coat of paint, even though sometimes it actually yeah. isn't. Yeah. And, and, and like when it released on Steam, I was all excited, like, oh, I wonder what they've added or changed or whatever. And it was actually garbage when it first released because it was the mobile version put on PC. Even when you went to put in your name, it said, like, please use the touchscreen. And everyone was like, they forgot to change the wording for touchscreen. This isn't a phone. You put it on Steam. Um, but yeah, it's like that fresh coat of paint. Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, I will play those again and again and again for the rest of my life. Very specifically with them. There is a couple other games I could. Um, Super Mario World. That's one I could do it with. And maybe some others. But like I have the Mega Man Legacy Collection. I played it for like an hour and I was like, this is really hard. I can't even do this anymore. I gave up on it. Like there's just certain games that like I have fond memories, but I don't really want to go through it again. I'd rather just think about my memories or maybe watch someone else do it where they're doing it for the first time or something, you know? Yeah, I think I think a big portion of it is just going to be the inevitability of you know, it's it's a game that if it isn't specifically something you can play in short bursts, if it's meant to be a longer game, it's going to be harder to get into. If you don't yeah. have like that extra value that we've said, you know, of you know, being able to play them over and over again, you know, it's it's harder to do that. I think it's it's funny because I guarantee you when I get to play the new uh, Legend of Heroes game, which I'm just trying to look up what the uh, the next one is going to be. Uh, oh, gosh, I actually they officially that. announced the English version of it. That's that's the thing I'm looking for. Oh, okay. Because where is it here? It's oh Trails into Reverie, which has not come to us yet. I think have they dated it? Yeah, it's scheduled for next year. I guarantee you, I can play that game and I will have no issues because it's brand new. Because it's a new story, because I've never experienced it before, but also because it's going to control more like a modern game. But if you gave me, say, what's an RP? If you gave me the original Star Ocean, and I mean like original or even uh, First Departure, doesn't really matter. But like if you gave me that, I probably wouldn't get too far in it. Yeah. And same goes for, like, I, I think, you know, if you give me, say, a brand new first person shooter that's sci fi ish. But then you give me, like, you know, an N64 game of a similar value, I'd probably be like, nah, this is, nah, I'm good. So I, th I think there is a real interesting conversation that's, it, it's, it's very interesting being someone who wants to play retro because in some cases it's not as easy to. Some people can just walk right in and play these games like they're nothing. And then in other cases it doesn't quite work the same way. But it's not like it's devaluing it. It's not like it's... You know, you're, it's not like I'm playing Super Mario RPG and going, wow, this game sucks now. It's just more like, yeah, I've already done this before. Like, this feels kind of samey. I don't know if I really want to go through the entire process again. Yeah. It's funny, with, like, Super Mario RPG, if you would provide me a really good version of an emulator, put it on my Steam Deck, and be like, here, go play this, I have no desire to do that. But if it got released on Nintendo Switch Online with the official version... And like I can take the screenshots and share it and do all my stuff that I was gonna do on there. I probably would boot that up again tomorrow. So I think it. I think it's yeah. I'm I'm definitely. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm 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 definitely um, over lucky. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it's just all the new stuff that games provide you with. I like I. And sometimes I don't it's almost know like how a placebo effect, right? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Oh, definitely. Like achievements. They don't actually do anything. 
they're just a sound and they're like yay look at my score like it's 100 percent that but yeah like i think i just have all of this new stuff now so if you have me go back to an old game but it's like just on an emulator or it's even on the original system i won't really want to do it because i want all the bells and whistles that new games come with even if it's that game hd remix so it's you know better with the new tvs and all that kind of stuff you can leave the original game, just fix the resolution and all that, put it on there, add some achievements. It's like it's a brand new game for me, even though it's retro. So I think it, it's there's it's so many different layers to it, and it's going to depend on the person, because some people don't give a crap about achievements and trophies and stuff, and they'd rather play on the original hardware, right? So depends on the person, depends on the game, depends on the situation. There's so much to it. Yeah, I mean, I know I want to at some point test these theories a little bit. I want to go, it's going to have to require me to replug in my PS2. I want to go back and play the bouncer and see how I feel about that game. I know I need to boot up a, you know, an old emulator and play a bunch of Super Nintendo games I haven't played in forever and see how that goes. So it's it's definitely such an interesting conversation. And I thought it was a great subject. And geez, we almost did 40 minutes on it. So clearly... Clearly, it's definitely something that, you know, is worth talking about. So obviously, anybody listening to the show, like if you're watching either on YouTube or for you can leave comments, whether it's for a Twitter account, uh, even anywhere, anywhere you can find it. Like, like if you want to mention, you know, similar stories and how you feel about these kind of things, do it. It's a great it's a great conversation because it's something that a lot of retro gamers will deal with a lot because I know people that are like, man, I used to love like the original punch out and I tried playing it recently. I don't know how I feel about it now. Like it's it's not an uncommon thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Unfortunately, though, what is a common thing is the thing that we do at the end of the show, which I feel like is a great segue into this week in We're Old, because that is never going to stop. It's never. We're just getting older every day. I mean, everybody is, so I guess that's helpful. Now, it's a bit of a shorter list this week, because apparently not that much stuff wanted to come out in August. I mean, August does feel like... It has felt like a dead month for gaming, actually, now that I think about it this year. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Obviously not too much. Not to say that there isn't a couple of really good things that happened in this week, but, you know, we'll we'll get to that as we go. So we start off on the 21st of August. One game that I thought was noted. Again, these are North American, Japanese, European releases. Uh, These are only things that I think are relevant. You know, like if I went through the entire list, we'd be here all day. So these are games that I think are relevant or I think are interesting or I think are funny. So we'll see how this goes. I don't think I found any funny ones this week, unfortunately. But, you know, not every not every month can have or not every week can have a Kiss Psycho Circus video game, you know, so. That one was fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, yeah, one game on the 21st here, 1998 release for PC in North America. I remember playing this game on N64 and I have a love-hate relationship with it because it was really goddamn hard as a first-person shooter, but uh, the first Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six game. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that was that. Oh, no, that makes sense. Wow, like, I still did not realize that series was that old. I, I Obviously, playing first-person shooters back in the day, you were thinking like Doom, Wolfenstein, and then you get into like Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, where they're not really tactical. Rainbow Six, you gotta be a little more careful about what you do because... Uh, you don't take that many bullets and they don't you don't regenerate, so No, it's it's like really getting shot. <laughs> yeah, you take a couple shots, you're done. You you're gone. So I remember I remember running that game a couple of times. It was fucking difficult. And then I obviously yeah. play like Vegas for the 360 and that game was hard and oh my god. I remember Vegas. I do remember Vegas. And then I played Siege online for like two minutes and went, Nope, I'm gonna play against bots if I'm ever playing this game. Fuck that. 
We did try online. People are very good at that. Oh my god, they are. I mean, it's an eSport for a reason, because it is a yeah. goddamn technical game. Yeah. Oh. But moving on to the 22nd, we got three games here. 2001 release for the PlayStation 2 in North America. We have the re-release, because it was originally, I believe, on GameCube, if I'm not mistaken, but I may be wrong, but uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica X, which I never did play. I've never played that one, but that's because I'm a wuss. Well, also because most Resident Evil games controlled like ass to me back in the day, like four on the Wii is the closest I ever got. I still need to go and play the new uh, versions of two and three because I played the demo for three and actually kind of liked it. So I'm curious to see. If, oh, the controls are amazing. Yeah, I, I'm curious oh, to yeah. see how those treat me now. Same with four when that finally gets a uh, re-release too, because that that was the closest I got to actually playing a Resident Evil four game a bunch. So it'd be very interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, the first. Also, 2001 N64 release. Yeah, N64 games were still getting released in the 2000s. I know, surprising. Uh, North American release, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to go back and play that remake. I need to, I need to double check what the soundtrack was. Is that the Power Man one or was that the original? Uh, I feel like that's the original. I think that was the original. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Power Man. Oh, you know, it is. It is. When Worlds oh, Collide, Power Man 5000 was Tony Hawk 2. Uh, also, uh, Gorilla Radio from Rage Against the Machine. Bring the Noise from that, Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah. Uh, and everything else is not really that big. but Though those specifically, but yeah, Power Man 5000, I legitimately do not know that song without Tony Hawk being attached to it. So Yeah, I, I, I think it was the first time I heard it and the only place I heard it. For, well, I probably heard it elsewhere, but there was no not hearing it from Tony Hawk at yeah. that point. Yeah. And then lastly, we go all the way to 1987, where, you know, you know, a game kind of came out, you know, NES release for North America, Legend of Zelda, you know, no big deal. Just that gold cartridge. Oh, that gold cartridge. Oh, that's so beautiful. Like, I'm amazed that not a lot of games did that. Like, you think about, like, some of the memorable ones. That was a big one. The Maximum Carnage Red cartridge. Yeah, that Um, was good. Didn't Donkey Kong 64, I think, had a yellow one, I think? It had a yellow one, yes. And um, Ocarina of Time, I think, had a gold one again. I don't know if... There may have been versions of it. I know Majora's Mask, I think, had a black one. Mm. Yes, and they had that too. They so there, there were some cases. I'm surprised that companies didn't use it more because it really made that that thing stand out. Yeah, like it was... You felt like you would have had... The, like that was a collector's edition back in the day. I mean, they still do collector's editions now, but they suck. But also, you think about it, like, <laughs> it made sense back then because we didn't apparently keep the boxes to these games back in the day. We did not. So, you know, that red Maximum Carnage cartridge really stuck out in your in your list of gray Super Nintendo cartridges. That's something yeah. that just mind fucks me to death, that we never kept the boxes to these games, and yet it's something that we just intrinsically do now, although it's because it's CDs, and we know that CDs are really not the best thing to leave unchecked, but... Yeah, yeah. the boxes kind of sucked. They were very flimsy cardboard. Like, they weren't meant to put the game back and, like, get everything back in there. It seemed like... Here's yeah, your they didn't really have, like, a holster it. for in the way that we do with CDs, so there's that. No. But, man, like, you think about how much nicer these things look when they're in boxes on a shelf now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoever kept the boxes, smart. Yeah. Because I didn't... I mean, I didn't even keep the games. I sold them all. But the boxes, I instantly got rid of. Especially Every time. if you managed to keep them in condition, because, man, some of those look, can look oh, great. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on to the 23rd, three games on this one, all of them in the 2000s. So 2001, PlayStation 2 release in Japan, obviously starting a, what was a, what ended up being a very big franchise in the 2000s, Devil May Cry. Oh, yeah. Now, I've, ne- have... I've never played any of them because those kind of games never really, like, same with, like, Onimusha, like, that era of PS2 games. Like, those games did not grab my attention at all. No, I, somebody lent me one of the first Devil May Cry games, and I did not get very far. I was like, I get why people like this, but I don't know. These, like, just. Oh, you slash- watched the opening cutscene, I think, of two, where it's the scene where, like, Dante's naked and there's, like, a pizza box covering his junk and shit. And, and you're like, okay, that's the Japanese anime level shit that I love. But for some yeah. reason, those games just did not jive with me as a person no. back then. And they still haven't. Like, I've heard good things about the newer ones. And even then, I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I think I have five. I think I have the newer one. And I, on Steam, and I just I haven't even tried to play it. Yeah, sometimes it know. just works out that way. Sometimes there are games that like so many people love that just for whatever reason you just never got an interest in, and still don't even to this day. Yeah, like it's amazing in retrospect how I've actually gotten into God of War now because of the new reboot. Because I really did not care about the original series. Like, there's things like that that just kind of for some reason they don't click, and then either they never do, or something way down the line finally does it. Yeah, I did like the original God of War games. I did, but I I wouldn't want to go back now and play them because the newer one was so much it, better. Yeah, it's done whatever it's done differently, it's done it so much better and it fits. It just seems to fit so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but also 2000 Game Boy Color release in Japan. Yeah, Game Boy Color game still in 2000, right? Uh, Kirby Tilt and Tumble, which I have also never played. Oh, I never played that, but I do remember reading about it a lot in, like, Nintendo Power. Well, yeah, Nintendo would obviously shield the hell out of a Kirby game, you know? What a surprise. Yeah, (laughs) weird, right? (laughs) Uh, And then lastly, in 2000, for the Dreamcast in North America. I've never played this series, but I've heard good things about it. It's one of those series that I wish would get brought back so I could actually see how it compares today. But uh, Power Stone 2. Oh, I don't even know if I know what that one is. Yeah, it was it was a um, it was like a multiplayer like almost. How do I explain this? Because I only know a little bit just from what I've seen to it. No, I didn't mean the Power Stone from the Infinity Gauntlet. Google, thank you though. I appreciate it. Uh, it was like an arena fighter, like a three D uh, like, okay. like top down arena fighter, and apparently like it was a real, especially in Europe, it was a big deal. Yeah. So like. It, it's one of those things that like I've heard so many good things about, but I've just never gotten to because obviously they're really old. So yeah. yeah, similar thing to like what we just said with the retro stuff. Just sometimes because they're older games, it doesn't quite work out that way. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to the twenty fourth. Speaking of Europe, same deal. Two thousand, they got their release of Power Stone two. So a day later, which sometimes it's always how it worked out back then. Like you would hear about releases, and it's being the same week. Like like some places would get it on the Tuesday, some places would get it on the Friday. Like. It's interesting how it works out that way. And sometimes even consoles put them on different days back in the day, which was also strange. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it was... Oh, I did notice that sometimes when it would show the release dates, and it was, like, not the same day. It was, like, one gets it the Tuesday, one gets the Wednesday, but maybe back then there used to be specific shipping dates for games. Yeah, and they're media. also having those kind of uh, logistics and uh, stuff, so... And we shoot all the way to 1990, and we go to a Genesis release in North America, which... 
I have played, it's not the greatest game, but it's fun to watch, at least in terms of a GDQ speedrun, uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. I think I tried it once, and I could not fucking figure it out. Like, the game is not just an easy game to play. Yeah, even a Michael Jackson game, because it's 1990, they have to be built to be hard, because they're actually only 45 minutes long when you really look at it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But when you would get, like, you build up your meter and get all the bad guys to fucking dance with you? Yeah. Oh, that was classic. Uh, and then lastly, we go way back to 1953. Because it's not okay. a game. Yeah, uh, this is a, a company. A company was formed. Uh, the Taito Corporation, which, to those who know oh. your arcade knowledge, include games like Space Invaders and Bubble Bobble. What the hell did they do in the 50s? Uh, something, something, I don't know, probably toy related. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every single one of these the companies started out as toys. What do you know? Specialized in video games, toys, arcade cabinets, and game centers. So let's see, 1950s. Do, 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 do. Oh, wow. Uh, started out as Tyco Taito Trading Company, became a vodka distillery. That's different. Yes. I want that. Uh, then they started doing jukeboxes. Then they started doing electromechanical games in the 60s. So they started getting into things like that and pinball towards the 60s. So yeah, um, Taito, before they started making uh, some really memorable arcade games, were making, were making booze. As video game companies should. Well, I mean, it was either that or toys back in the day or stationary. So. True. Especially for Japanese companies, you only had a couple of things you really could do. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the 25th, we have four games here. I'll just stay like 1990 Michael Jackson's Moonwalker again, but this time in Japan, so we'll get away from that. The other three games, uh, 2002 GameCube release in North America, Super Monkey Ball 2, a.k.a. the other SMB2. The other SMB2. <laughs> Those games were kind of fun, too. I'm surprised that... Actually, I wonder, what's, what is the last one that's come out? Because I feel like... They kind of just recently had one, didn't they? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I, I was about to say, they haven't made one in a while. I'm like, actually, that's not true. Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania for uh, PC Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Series X and S on uh, October of 2021. So never mind. They have been yeah. making those games. Yeah. I think it had been a long time, though, between that game and whatever came out before it. Pretty uh, sure it was a big deal. verify? They did uh, Banana... Blitz HD in 2019. Then there was then it was all the way back to not counting phones. Uh, Banana Splits, which was a Vita game in 2012. So there was definitely a good period of where they weren't. Still a lot more than I was expecting. But really, the game, the two GameCube ones are the ones that really stand out for that series. Oh, like those yeah. are the ones that you'll see most people gravitate to. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Those are still really fun games to play as well. Yes. Yes, they are. Except when you watch speedrunners play them and they just are at the top and they just jump and land at the goal somehow every time or like roll off the edge and end up at the goal and they're like yeah i did it in two seconds yeah i want to see i want to see a speedrun of them actually not going off the map once and just seeing how fast they can do it without cheating you know it's it's probably a lot faster still than i would oh still but it'd be interesting (laughs) to see them also like just how quickly they still run through it at full speed um Moving on, 2000 PS1 European release. We, I think we've mentioned this game before, how we'd like to see it make a comeback. Uh, Parasite Eve 2. Oh, yeah. I've still never beaten one of the Parasite Eve games. I would rent them all the time. Uh, it's just I, I was such a wuss when it came to scary games. I would get to a point, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to stop now. Now, keep in mind there's a catch. 
Square still has it, so that means Square has to also redo it. And do you really trust Square? No, could they give it to Capcom? I feel like Capcom would do a really good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can can we just like mooch? You know, you throw these over to the side to somebody else, maybe. Yeah, whoever did the Resident Evil remake, please, uh, please take Parasite Eve, please. <laughs> and then last but not least, another pretty big release: 1997 North American release for N64, Goldeneye. Double O freaking seven. Damn. The amount of hours. I wish there was some sort of a tally back in the day, like they do on current gen systems, where you can see how long you've played. Holy shit. Because I got like every level to double O and got not every secret. Some of them were so fucking hard to unlock the secrets because it was like beat this level in this amount of time. And some of them were like, you had to like be You were GDQing it yourself if you had to complete yeah. that. Yeah. And I did a bunch of them. I spent hours trying to get a bunch of them god that was so much fun yeah i i would definitely because i know i i could have sworn i've heard that there is a modified version you can get on pc where it's 60 frames per second with mouse and keyboard and i would love to try that to see how that controls because if yeah, it's if it's as fluent cool. as i've heard it is i would love to go back that's a way that i would be able to play a retro game again when the controls are smoothened out you know what that's a great that's a great thing that i didn't even think to mention back then it would be also really helpful if games could be repurposed just for control-wise to be smoother because I think that's a big thing of why it's harder to play a lot of older games because they just... Look, let's be honest, they were great at the time, but they control like ass now if we're talking especially 20-plus years later. Yeah, even with JRPGs like Final Fantasy VII, you couldn't even move your character like fluidly. It was like either like up, down, left, or right. It was this directional like x that you would move on and it wasn't even up and down left and right it was on this plane to the side so you'd like go this way this way this way this way while you ran yeah 3d was weird back in the day yeah uh moving on to the 26th we have two games here uh 2000 release for the playstation 1 in japan it's so weird saying playstation 1 but it's so much more descriptive now when you have like four other ones yeah. Um, but Dragon Warrior 7 specifically, because it's Japan, but this would have been known in uh, other markets as Dragon Quest 7 Fragments of the Forgotten Past, which honestly, like, I've never played any of the Dragon Quest games aside from 8 and the newest one, 11. So... Same. It's the only ones I've played. I They re-released 1, 2, and 3 on Switch for like $5 Isn't there the piece? one that's recently, that's that was is giving like the Octopath Traveler looking like redos that's yeah. coming out sometime. That may be a way to play that again. Yeah, I think it's three. It's either two or three. I know it's not the first one. Yeah. It's whichever one is apparently the most popular, which I don't actually know because. Because we're not I Japanese where, you know, Dragon Warrior is way more popular. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Dragon yeah, Quest I, in I Japan is their Call of Duty. And that's like not even a joke. Jeez, that's crazy. That is crazy, especially when you're here and so few people have played it compared to, say, like Final Fantasy or something like yeah. that. It's crazy. Uh, and then the other one is 1994 for the Genesis and Mega Drive in Japan. We talked about this, I think, on the last show, but this is the sequel to Echo the Dolphin. Echo the Tides of Time. And I thought it was just funny because I know Chris hates the original game because it was so ah, fucking hard. It was hard. Like, I don't get it. It was fun to turn that game on and to be a dolphin and like jump out of the water, do a flip. And if there was a rock, like, oh, can I jump the rock? That was so satisfying. And then you actually tried to play the fucking game and you'd like drown. 
I was like, I don't understand what just fucking happened. I have no idea. But last but not least, we get to today, the 27th, where apparently everything decided this was the day because there's seven games on this list. Uh, wow. 2002 for the PlayStation 2. I I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Devil May Cry stuff, but Onimusha 2 Samurai's Destiny. Oh, Again, I tried Onimusha. The original one didn't get into it, but a lot of people really liked it. I remember it being a big deal when the third game came out, I believe, because Jean Renault was actually, a, you know, played a character yes. in that game. I do remember that a lot. I've never played the series at all, but that was when it really caught my attention for the third one. <laughs> uh, 2001, I played this game a lot growing up. Uh, game Boy Advance released in North America, Mario Kart Super Circuit, a.k.a. a lot of the time I spent in the car was playing this game. Yeah, it was like the Super Nintendo Mario Kart, which would be really hard to go back to. I tried the Super Nintendo one and like, holy fuck, it's so different. It's not easy. It's fine, but like it, it definitely, you know, they definitely have polished it since. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for but sure. Yeah, between this game and FC or Maximum Velocity, that was a good chunk of my Game Boy Advance days while I was, you know, in the car. Yeah, Mario Kart and F-Zero, those are oh, such good racers, such good racers. Now, I didn't say only good things will be here. I mean, people might think this is a good one, but um, this started a trend that has not changed since and I think is one of the things I hate the most about this series. But in 2000 for the PC in North America, The Sims Live in Large came out, which was the first expansion pack in a Sims game. Oh. And it has oh. not changed ever since. I have my gripes with EA because I really do believe a Sims 5 should have happened already like a couple of years ago and it still hasn't because they're like... No, we can just throw an expansion pack for $30 at you guys, and you guys will eat it up, right? And uh, the Sims market goes, yes, we will, actually, while I sit there and be like, no, I'm just going to probably find a different way to play that expansion piece. Yeah, like, these expansions, like, don't get me wrong. I like when there's, if there's one, and it's like a $30 expansion, it's big. Like, The Witcher 3 has, like, I think maybe two. I'm okay with that. It's like adding a huge amount and everything to the game. But when it's something like The Sims, it's like, oh, there's a whole bunch of different hairstyles and characters, and like, like now here's you can some be clothes, a and here's like a new job you can do, and the slight if like other change, and you're like, that's it. Yeah, and it feels like the original game is just unfinished, and they and there's so many that if you wanted to get into that game late, you got to drop like two, three hundred dollars if you really, really want to play it. All the costume stuff is almost insulting in a way because it's like, dude, if you just go to like Sims 4 Resource, for example, uh, you can get so much goddamn free content that are probably so much better made content, too, because those yeah. people are passionate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a game City Skylines, which is like a city builder game way yeah. better than SimCity and all that. I love that game. I got it right when it came out. I played it. Absolutely loved it. First expansion came out. I bought it. You know, it added, like, I don't know, hospitals or schools. I don't know. It added something. And I was all into it, and I played it. And then another one came out, and I got that. And eventually they added a third one. I'm like, all right, hold on. Now this is just adding, like, nightclubs. Like, I don't know. Like, I get it's changing, but do I really need yet another one? So I stopped. And thank God I did, because they've released, like, seven more since then. And they have another one coming out that they just announced. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in, the same, in the same vein that, like, sometimes companies just go, you know what, it's probably easier if we just divert our attention to adding to these games for a smaller price than, like, spending years trying to produce a new one. Yeah. I mean, you see, like, we play Killing Floor 2, and every once in a while they'll come up with something new again, and we'll be like, okay, but are you guys making another game? And then they just keep producing, like, small content, because I guess whatever they're doing is working. Yeah. 
I'm okay with that one just because it's not $30 every time they decide to do a release. Yeah. Sims and all the other ones, it feels like, hey, here's this new $30 expansion. It's like, I don't... I can't afford this game to be $300. It's not even worth $300 to me. I just want it to be the $70 or an 80 or whatever it is now the games are. And like, just let me buy it and I'm done. Yeah. Uh, four more games here. So we got 1999 PC release worldwide. These, I believe this is the sequel to the original Command & Conquer, but this is Command & Conquer uh, Tiberian Sun. Yeah, that was, I think, a whole new series. Like there was the original... And then there was the Red Alert series, and then I think Tiberian Sun was yet another one. You would probably or know better that, than me, because you, were, you yeah. were definitely into those games more than I was. So yeah. Or that could actually be a sequel to the original. I can't even remember now. Let's see, because, you know, we got time. Why not? Uh, this game is the sequel to the 1995 game Command & Conquer, so it looks like it's just straight uh, up the yes. sequel. Yeah, so that makes sense, because they had Red Alert, but that was kind of like its own side series. Mm-hmm. That went on with Tim Curry saying space real awesome. Yeah, you know, there's no, no nobody really remembers much else from that series anymore. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, I remember Hell's March, the song from the first game, because it's like the most badass metal song that you'll ever listen to in a game almost. And then I remember the third one because Tim Curry said some funny shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much the case. Yeah. Uh, also, 1994 known as mother 2 in japan when it released for the super nintendo but to us we knew it as earthbound yep uh a game i still have not finished either yeah that's also a game that i could also go back to and i feel like that game might have a chance because it definitely feels different compared to most yeah that is true it's got a charm to it it does uh, oh 100%. it's also funny that we mentioned mario kart for super nintendo because guess what released in 1992 in japan uh gold yeah, that, that'd be correct. No, uh, the original Super Mario Kart for Super Nintendo. Nice. Oh, God, so good. It's interesting how the original in Japan released, and then on the same day, nine years later, essentially like a similar version to it for Game Boy Advance released in North America, which is yeah. very interesting. Yeah, same date. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I can see them using the same date when it's the same country, but the fact that it's like the two different countries, it's like... They have the area, like, time frame they like to release it, and it, that just worked out in their favor. And I'm not going to lie, I love that I get to end our entire list with this. 1983, the gimmick is back, baby. NES game for Japan, Mahjong. <laughs> why? Well, no, I get why, because there was no Mahjong game, so you just would name it that. It's like, hey, we're gonna have a game about baseball. We'll name it baseball. I mean, you you remember growing up, anymore. like if you if you had the original uh, Sega game and you got like the the thirty two X thing that you jump, and you would just get ice hockey. <laughs> Not even blades of steel. Sometimes yeah. you got blades of steel, but sometimes you just got ice hockey. It just ice hockey. Oh, so crazy! Like no game could do that now. Like there's no game that's coming out. I don't where know. I want called, I like, want a game to have the balls to release itself and just call itself Punch. <laughs> i'd buy that i don't even know what it is but i know i'd buy it just because of. i mean game. to be fair dive kick exists so that is true that is true it, there was no false advertising with that game yeah oh <laughs> i love that gimmick though slowly but surely i'm eventually gonna run out like there's gonna start stop being sports and board games that japan runs out of on their nes consoles but until then i'm not friggin' stopping 
Well, then it will have done the podcast for a year and you'll get to re-mention all the ones again. Yes. And you'll be like, hey, remember from we mentioned this last year, but I'm not going to remember. There's so many of these. I'm not going to remember specifically like March 2nd, you know, 1988. Like, I'm not going to remember it. That's going <laughs> to be the beauty of it. That'll be the beauty of it. But that is circle. it for this week in world, which means that is it for this podcast. My voice made it. I did it. You did. You didn't cough once. I mean, there, there, there was a moment, but I I hung in there. But well, yeah, looks like uh, I may not be fully healed, but it looks like we're definitely on the right path now. I might have been able to do it on Tuesday when we recorded for the for the Pixel Play show, but it was worth not taking the risk. And hey, it meant that you guys had to, got to have some really good conversations because honestly, I thought that was a really good show. So It was a good show. It really was. So yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us as we return to our full schedule again. Now that you know the producer, you know, isn't, you know, fucking bedridden. Because my God, actually, I'll take a second just to talk about how stupid the first like few days of it were. So the day we were supposed to record, because we record Thursdays, I had a really sore throat. I knew because every time I get a cold, that's usually what happens. You get the early sore throat, you know, something's coming. So I'm like, all right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to record. In fact, I did a final fantasy four race later that night. So I decided I'm going to not do the podcast just to save whatever I have of my voice for this. Yep. So I did that as soon as I shut off at 10 o'clock Thursday night, bam, fever, headache, like all of a sudden that fatigue, almost like how I felt when I got the second shot came in. And I know I'm, I mentioned, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this to you, but as soon as I got to my room, and a breeze came in through the window because it was it was going to be chilly that night. So I wanted to open up the windows to get the apartment cooled down because it can get pretty goddamn hot in here. Um, I suddenly started shaking violently. And like I could feel like the muscles in my neck seizing a little bit. That was terrifying. So oh, I shut the window terrifying. and just buried myself in blankets. And eventually that subsided. And then the Friday, the next day, is when I felt the worst I think I felt in 10 plus years I think I spent a total of 30 minutes out of bed and that's including bathroom breaks. Uh, I tried to eat that didn't go very well. I think I maybe ate like five to 10% at most of what I normally eat in a day. And I was forcing it. And then I think my sleep consisted of sleep for 30 to 60 minutes, followed by an hour to two hours of just lying in bed, miserable, go back to sleep again, rinse and repeat. And then like, the next three or so days after that was a mixture of like cold symptoms, overall fatigue, muscle fatigue, like just not being able to really move much. I think I spent most of like Friday, Saturday and a bit of Sunday in bed. I was able to move more like Saturday and Sunday, but it took a little bit longer to go. And then between like Monday to all the way to this week now on, you know, really like today is the first day that I'm actually starting to feel like normal again for the most part. It's been like on and off. Like I had one day last week where I suddenly felt like I was going to faint out of nowhere. Like I had a couple of good days and then just felt like fainting. And I, do, and I don't know how different it was for you, Kim, comparatively. But my God, I, I, I'm, almost, I'm thankful that I didn't get this for like three years. But holy shit, I can't imagine A, getting this before the vaccines came out. Yes, and that's B, what I thought. <laughs> getting it during a time where I was still working in a workplace not at home because I just recently got a new job where I'm working from home like two months ago. Yeah, you were lucky with that. It was good timing. 
Yeah, I have no idea what it would have been. Like, I mean, I've been working from home since way before the pandemic, so I guess that wouldn't have been an issue. But yeah, like before the vaccines, holy crap. Like it felt awful as it was. <laughs> so, oh, that's not good. Yeah, in retrospect, it's it's now going to be interesting going forward because now we have to think about because we still haven't really got like really good definitive research on what long COVID is, which will make this converse this whole conversation so much different as the years go by. Yeah, and I mean we don't even know if this is ever going away because obviously you know I don't know I don't know how it is around you and your group of people, but like I don't think this month has been bigger than any other month. Like this, like I've never had so many people at the same time with COVID now. I know yeah. for my softball team, at least three or four other people have gotten it in the Final Fantasy IV community that I that I run in. There's at least a few people I know that have it. I know a couple of a couple of people that I know personally, like in person, have gotten it too. So like it's interesting how um how it seems like now it's it's becoming a big deal again, and yet we're now at a point where we're probably never going back to lockdowns and masks. So Probably not. I can't see it going back. But actually, right now is the time where I know the most amount of people that have it all at the same time, who are not like friends that all hung out. They're just all different people. Granted, it's also because it's summer. You're going to be outside. You're going to be hanging around people more, obviously, because especially here in Canada, concerts, sporting events, conventions, like they're all coming back. So I think it's it's probably a big part of it, too. It's just so interesting to like now that we're supposedly out of it that this is probably the most active month i think i've ever witnessed when it comes to covid uh cases so it's just interesting and thankfully getting it the way that i got it at least i didn't have to leave and thankfully with three shots in my system and soon to be a fourth once you know i can get that booked again um my god like i can't imagine how much worse that could have been because those first two days especially were fucking terrifying yeah. Yeah. I remember my two, I had two really, really bad days. And then I started to kind of feel better over the next three days. Then it felt like all my symptoms were gone minus coughing. And I coughed for mm-hmm. a month and a half every five minutes, just this urge, like something was in there that I had to get out. And I would try and force myself to not cough because the more you cough, the worse it gets. And it was brutal. It was a month and a half, just brutal. Yeah. But it looks yeah. like we've both, well, You've definitely pushed through it. I'm getting very close to completely pushing through it. So everything's going to be back to normal. And we we thank you guys for, if if you're watching this episode specifically, for staying with us, even though we were gone for essentially two weeks because of this. So Yeah. But otherwise, that's going to do it for the show. So as we always do at the end of the show, thank you so much for watching. We hope it was great for you. If you want to know more about us, you can check out our link tree. That is link tree slash pixel play podcast, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash pixel play podcast, where you can get our socials link to our email if you want to send us questions link to our discord if you want to join the conversation there and uh, a link to where you can find our podcast whether audio or youtube form so again if you're watching on youtube like the video subscribe to the channel if you haven't already if you're listening to this on any of the audio platforms spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher radio anywhere where you get your podcast and you can find us at if you can leave us a rating please do that otherwise share it with all your friends tell them the good news about you know the one podcast that finally didn't talk about how bad Square... Actually, it's a lie. We talked re- briefly about how the Chrono Cross remaster was bungled. So never mind. Yeah. We did get the Square bashing in there somewhere. So, yeah. you know, tell them about the retro podcast that mostly just has an edict against Square Enix. And that I'm, I'm sure that'll trigger at least a couple of your friends to go watch the show to kind of get a little bit of extra uh, rehab done on, on what Square has done to us over the years. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, that being said, one last time, thank you so much for checking out the show. On behalf of Chris and myself, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the day wherever you are, and we'll see you next week when we probably bash square like we always do. We will. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody.